Hello everybody, welcome. Thank you for downloading the show. Yay. This is the Curated Culture. I'm your host Rob, joined as always by, by me. Me. Ah. Eh, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. Uh-huh. What a week. Yeah. It's been an insane, crazy week. Uh, we've done a lot of work. By now, you should actually be able to download this show on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, maybe Spotify. Spotify shows up as one of our content destinations, but I've yet to be able to find the show on Spotify, so I don't know if it's just too low ranked or maybe it's not actually on Spotify just yet. I'm not sure. Hmm. But you can find us if you use an app such as Pocket Cast. We're on there. Search for it. The Curated Culture. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, thank you so very much. Do us a solid. Pause this podcast right now. Go to Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you've left us a five-star review. That helps us get more listeners. That helps us in the rankings, which in turn allows us to give you more cool content yeah so now that that's out of the way we have to discuss business okay not actually it's just been a a wild whirlwind crazy week here in michigan at least yeah our stay-at-home order from the covid is what we're referring to it as now the covid the covid our stay-at-home order has been extended Another two weeks. It was set to expire on May 28th. It is now going to expire on June the 12th, which is pushing us so, so far out. Um, It's been since, what, March 13th? Yep. So this will be the third month of of our stay-at-home order. And I think for the first time... Since this all started, I think I'm starting to experience a little bit of quarantine fatigue. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For Just those... now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've you know me, I've, I've been one that's been like fighting the battle. Like everybody stay home. Everybody wash your hands. Everybody don't leave unless you absolutely have to. Which I'm I'm still a firm believer in that, you know, whatever we got to do to to help minimize and reduce uh, the spread of COVID and the impact of COVID, I'm, I'm all for it. But it, there's just there's a lot of things, I guess, that I find myself missing that I didn't necessarily miss at the beginning, so to speak. And I mean, it's just like the most novel thing in the world, but it's something as simple as being able to go and sit down and have dinner in a restaurant. Like I miss being able to do that. It is weird. I miss being able to go and sit down in a theater and watch a movie. Yeah. I think those are pretty much the only things really that I did though. Like I wasn't, well, you know what? There, there's a lot more. There's a yeah, lot more. The thing that we always end up talking about at one point in time, which is Comic Con, but we'll talk about that in a second. There's just there's there's something about like the restaurant experience and getting out and having your food served, you know, nice and warm. It doesn't lose its temperature because you got like a twenty minute car drive back to the house <laughs> from 
picking it up at, at takeout or with takeout. Um, it's just it's it's a an otherworldly experience right now with everything that that we have going on, and and I'm starting to miss the times where you know you could just kind of get up and get out of the house and just go grab something to eat, you know, but sit down and eat. Yeah, it all looks different. Like going out with a mask, uh, you know. When you go out to go get, you know, milk or something, you know, that you need at the house, going, wait a minute, do I have the mask? Do I have my keys? Do I have, you know, money? (laughs) Right. Those type of things are different now, too. It's just, and I, I know, I get what you said. I miss the restaurant experience, too. And the talk of them opening it back up, but slowly and having it um, be a reduced um, capacity oh, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? Would you go out to eat I don't, in that situation? Right now, I don't know that I feel completely secure in, in going out and eating in a restaurant. I mean... There's there's steps that you can take to, of course, minimize your your possibility, I guess, or your risk of catching it. But you know, we both read that same study, and and restaurants are are going to be like Russian roulette for the immediate future, just because any building with you know that I guess they call it the recycled air or, or what what have you is is going to be a danger zone for the most part, just because. Um, you know, people have or can carry this virus and be asymptomatic. So, you know, people can consent to having their temperature taken and all that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're 100% in the clear, you know, and you're basically in a restaurant setting, no matter what preventative measures are done, I still feel like you're just kind of sitting ducks, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's uh, everybody has got to now kind of weigh their risks. I mean, how bad do you miss it? Are you willing to take that risk? (laughs) A lot. I Um, miss it a lot. I see a lot of places, which is cool, doing like the outdoor patio, which, you know, I think people feel more comfortable doing now just like like you said it's not in a contained building you're outside and you can still maintain distance but you're still getting your restaurant yeah yeah i mean there's i guess there's way to do it and or ways to do it and yes i think outdoor dining is is a lot safer just solely because your air isn't recycled outside and right um even if it's something that you know we hear a lot of people talk about it being aerosolized and and all that and even if it is you know free floating outside at that point there's still less of a risk so to speak yeah and now because the sun is out i was just gonna say yeah you got your 
your son and you're you're a little more protective that way tv rays and um when you're outside too though you're you're not you're not confined you know if someone did like you know like an andy sneeze (laughs) which is like an epic sneeze for those of you that don't know andy uh you know that could go and I feel like we have to explain the Andy sneeze because no <laughs> nobody is going to know Andy is Maria's brother and he has the most insanely powerful yet gross wet sneezes <laughs> yes he is an adult man and his sneezes it's like a convulsion half of his body he's in the in the shape of the letter V when he sneezes <laughs> and it's not like a a, dent, a dainty hachu or like a nice you know um no it's like polite a f- <laughs> like everywhere like projectile an- sneeze spew i have walked through an area andy sneezed in roughly 3 minutes post sneeze <laughs> and smelled it <laughs> which is very is gross <laughs> And impressive at the same time. So if Andy has COVID and he sneezes, wherever he sneezes, everybody's Dunzo. getting it. Dunzo, yeah. Everybody is getting it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that's why people are saying, just wear the damn mask. Yeah. Um, To kind of keep your... Your droplets, your bits, your sneezes, your goo to yourself. There's no mask that is going to stop. But then, you know, you you go, okay, people got to eat. Yeah. So you take some risk going out to eat. Right. Um, Whether you're okay with that or not, it's, I guess, a personal choice. Mm -hmm. Let me um, let me fire a couple of questions at you for one one number one. Okay. Where do you personally think the line has to be drawn as we see businesses start to falter, start to lose ridiculous amounts of money, which in turn causes them to have to lay people off? At what point do you draw the line and say, okay, maybe for these businesses, we need to start reopening like one of your best friends? is Mm -hmm. is a hairdresser right now and that industry as a whole seems to be suffering do you think that it is do you think it's safer to open um beauty shops and uh beauty salons and barber shops versus like dentist office for example well i think with a dentist office or like a veterinary office, I think it uh, they're seeing more of a medical issue or medical problem, usually related to your health. So that would be the difference. Like if I get my hair cut, it's not going to affect my health or in that way. It's not a a medical thing I need. Does that make sense? 
So yeah. in like well, if I have just real quick, just to play devil's advocate or just to throw this out there, like they're saying that dentist offices can be reopened for non uh, non emergency procedures now, which are like teeth cleanings, which is that's cosmetic too. Yeah, but I mean, I guess that's that's the kind of risk and choice that you would have to make on a personal level, just like going to the restaurant. Um, I think they'll open hair salons out too, but it's going to look different just because that person has to be very close to you for a extended amount of time to get your hair done. So, I mean, that poses a risk not only to the stylist, but to the people that they uh, see. Yeah. yeah. Just like, I I don't know where it was. It was in New York with the barber got it, infected 54 people because he worked on, you know, his clients that day or the past couple of days that before he knew. Yeah. So that's, the I guess, like the tricky part because you as a hairstylist, are seeing not just one person. You've got multiple people in that chair doing, you know, different different things. Right. So. I guess I, I am, I'm trying to look at it again. Like if, if I, if I owned a barbershop or if I owned a beauty salon, it, maybe I would be, I, I, under, I understand the plight of those who, like if that is, their own your livelihood brand. yeah like yeah. i'm not talking about your your carl mankey's like that idiot uh you know he's he was pushing it as you know the barbershop is is his way of life and you know he just decided to go full blown full tilt i'm gonna do this i'm gonna disobey orders and he did it in the most unsafe way possible like not only was he not wearing a mask but he had several people in the shop not wearing masks. He was allowing gatherings outside of his shops of people not wearing a mask. And it, it turned into like a bunch of pageantry almost, you know, whereas I know the people that, you know, and the people that I know that are in that profession would take every step possible just so that they can get back to getting some sort of revenue, be it, you know, only allowing a certain amount of clients in per week, so to speak, or if they have to only allow, you know, one or two employees in the shop per day. Uh, and I mean, there's, I feel like there, me personally, I feel like there are steps that can be taken to allow places like that. And I'm not just saying it because I am in desperate need of a haircut, but like, I've, I feel like maybe there is a little more at least in my opinion there's a little more risk involved of going to the dentist where you're going to be having somebody in your in your face working in your mouth or you're going to have somebody who has been working in somebody's mouth and there's outside of a face shield there's no actual protection from spittle or from vapor or from you know what are droplets all that like your mouth is wide open i got friends that work in in dental hygiene that are like 
I don't know how this is going to work. I feel like this is a little too soon. So my, I guess my ultimate question would be like, where, what makes things like the dentist less harmful than a bar? Like I can't, I can't correlate the two. If that makes sense. I honestly, I, I'm not the person deciding who is, you know, going to open up soon and who's not. Right. I don't, understand i think it was a collective group decided this is what needs to open up at this time and this is what needs to open up at a different time um i wouldn't want to be tasked with that job at all because at that that point people are kind of just splitting hairs i mean if you had a really bad toothache you want the dentist and if you have really bushy hair you want the haircut um, I think that's kind of what we're seeing with your quarantine fatigue is just people wanting things and not being able to to get them. And it and then people who are, are struggling with you know, their livelihood is being affected at that point. So there's a lot of stress involved and I think it's causing a bit of trauma. Uh, to everyone, um, you know, if you are a person who cannot work right now because of the virus, that puts a tremendous amount of stress on you emotionally, financially, I mean, runs the gamut. Even if you are a person who can work from home, who doesn't have that stress, you still are under some form of trauma because your life has been greatly disrupted. You can't go get that haircut. You can't have your dining experience the way it was. You can't see your grandma. You can't um, do the things you did before. And when you tell a little kid, hey, don't touch that, and they, what do they do? They put their hand behind their back and they try to touch it. You know what I mean? It's it's a, a kind of a knee-jerk reaction um, that people are kind of pushing back now. Because, hey, it's not fair. And you, you cross your arms and you stomp your leg and you pout. And I think it's just um, something that people are not used to at all. Yeah, I don't think it's anything that we would that we would ever truly be used to at all. And just trying to make sense of it all is is complicated and complex. You know, it's again one of those things to where it's it's tough to understand why certain decisions are made versus others. You know. Um, I just see a lot of these, like a lot of the big box retailers kind of getting away with being able to deem themselves as an essential business and so on and so forth. And and meanwhile, the small business or the independent business owners are kind of left out to dry a little bit, um, just in the sense that, you know, it it's... I don't know. Without going too far down the wormhole, I I feel like there's been a colossal failure on those in charge to lead um, 
it it's been a big failure on their part because you have like the whole unemployment thing to fall back on but oh wait uh some of these small business owners are being denied unemployment because well that's just it that's what being unprepared for a global pandemic resorts to when you're not informed when you're not ready when you don't have that nest egg or that what if put aside you gotta go with what you got in front of you and that's what leads to those decisions Mm. it's not like someone is like ha 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 i'm gonna maliciously target hairstylists and not you know ones working under a giant business but these mom and pop shops I'm just going to target them. I'm going to give them a big fuck you and I'm going to bend them over. I don't think that was an intention of anyone. It was a result of a, a sudden unprecedented event happening and people having to make choices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I agree with that to a certain extent too. And then there's, you know, you see it on the back end again these like massive uh stimulus packages i guess we'll call them being divvied out to like airlines and and banks and things like that and it's like why are they so good and yet the smaller businesses are not um but i'll move on my second question that i was going to ask to you um Mm -hmm. In a in a perfect world, um, what what businesses or I guess not in a perfect well world, but after this is all said and done, what businesses do you think are going to be permanently affected by COVID in regards to how they interact with uh, interact and interface with their customers, with their clientele, things like that? Every business. Is going to be affected by the way they interact from here on out. Um, you can't not be affected. I mean, and you kind of see that when you go out. It's not the same, nor is it going to disappear. So um, they're going to have to be creative. It's going to look extremely different. Um, and I can't say for sure exactly one business or one particular way or, you know, of doing things. People have gotten really creative in the way they've done. Like even we, you talked about, you mentioned comic cons and how that mass group of people is not going to be the same um and there are people who rely on those shows to sell art and all sorts of things and um comic books and i mean it runs a gamut and people go to these shows making a living so i mean i know a few people who have made their own like um shopping network essentially almost like a LuLaRoe 
kind of thing where you know ladies bit bit on tights on facebook live where people are saying hey here's the art i have to offer this is what i've got this is what it's about let me know if you want it kind of thing so it'll it'll adapt but it'll it'll definitely look different yeah i I think so for sure too and on the flip side of that I think that there's going to be a lot of businesses that are going to kind of jump into this uh, on the more ignorant front, you know, that will try to pretend like things are normal and will try to conduct business as usual. Sure, they'll implement a few safeguards here and there, you know, reducing the amount of people in and out of their location or um, trying to reduce the amount of uh, contact with customers, so to speak. I think restaurants, uh, just to toss out a specific answer, I think restaurants will will see the most damage done by this just because uh, ergonomically and logistically, there are a lot of moving pieces in place. Uh, we know that uh, coming into contact with contaminated items can spread the virus, which means they're going to have to step up not only their cleaning of, you know, uh, their their cutlery, the silverware and, and all that, but, the, you know, their plates, how they uh, wrap the silverware, the napkins, all that. Menus are going to have to be cleaned thoroughly. Booths, tables, bars, everything. Like, I, I feel like a lot of restaurants are going to be putting out a ton of money to ensure that uh, their restaurant is up to par with, you know, those cleaning standards. And realistically, that's not really been a strong point of restaurants to to be this beacon of cleanliness. So I feel like that's that's going to be another thing that is going to be challenging for them. Um, Another business, just because I, I, I referenced it earlier, uh, movie theaters, you know, movie theaters have battled with sticky floors for forever. So how are you going to be sure or how are you going to ensure the people who want to go to see movies that your theater, your establishment is indeed clean and safe to inhabit for hours at a time, mind you. Right. And I think that will be one of the last things to open um it's not a necessity it's something it's where you're spending a lot of time inside yeah um yeah it'll be interesting to see how yeah that's a whole nother beast yeah I feel like we should talk about that at some point. But we'll save that one for for a later show. Yeah, you don't um, have that kind of time right now. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, I mean, speaking of schools and things like that, people are being very, very um, optimistic about being able to return to school in the fall. Um, I, for one, don't see how it's going to happen, personally. I, I don't know. I know it's going to happen. I know, I know, but I, I don't I don't know how it's going to happen safely, I should say. There's the issue. Especially considering, ding, you know, ding, ding. every major medical expert, every major virologist, every major um, infectious disease expert is saying that we will have 
a second wave of COVID run through. And then you also read something about uh, studies now suggesting that if you have COVID and you pass it, that the antibodies that your body creates are are limited. They're 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 thinking the preliminary studies, and this is only I don't know one or two that were in this article saying that the antibodies after you have COVID, so the antibodies are what protect you from getting it, are only good for about six months. Which would be perfect timing for a second wave if so it pans out it's essentially you know uh you could get it twice a year yeah you get it in february and you're all good you get you, it back think, in september when yeah, you go back to school yeah, exactly that's yeah. that's what's so worrisome i mean of course you nor i are our medical experts of variety no no anything like that we just we read we are nerds who like to read, and, and we read from multiple sources. But that sounds absolutely insane. You know, if, if you are one who comes down with it in February or in March, which is where, or even April, where we saw most of the cases just absolutely explode, then you have a, a really good recovery rate. Uh, you have a, a, a very high mortality rate behind it, too. Um but then you you have these same people who are all good and then you know when fall rolls back around or early winter god forbid it happens again when if there's snow on the ground that's the one thing that we were able to successfully dodge like apocalyptic blizzards and covid it would have been game over don't speak that out too loud <laughs> but no. well i mean i have to because you know the snow always comes back uh, that would that would be nuts, though. I I would be interested to, to see like if you did have it, and your antibodies are are gone, so you can catch it again. Would it be like say if you were in the hospital, you had it severely? Would it be as severe the second time around? Yeah, like stuff like that. They have no idea what because you know it's totally new. Yeah, and that's. That's the thing that people have a hard time dealing with. Yeah. It is yeah. new. Nobody knows. And that's right. That's a horrible thing not knowing. Yeah, because it's, you know, this is like, I, I say it without overselling it or, or you know, overblowing it. It's, it's crazy because this is truly and genuinely like a once in a life, for us, a once in a lifetime type of thing. Like, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I don't want a twice or a third yeah. time. Knock on Thanks. wood. I mean, but this this has just been absolutely crazy in, in the way that is is transformed our way of living, and then just how little is actually still known about it, even though we have been getting ravaged by it for you know three four months now. Yeah, I mean, it's knock on wood. It is in Michigan. Um, decreasing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are areas that are are seeing hot spots or whatever, and so it does give you some hope. Like, okay, you know, there are not a thousand people coming into the, to the hospital a day. Yeah. That's reassuring because you know you see all of these nurses that are just absolutely worked to the bone, 
and just talk about stress mm-hmm. um that's the scary part yeah uh so we're kind of over that hump but then you know you have this all in the back of your head like oh well it's gonna come back yeah or it's gonna make its rounds again so we have this order and you you know you feel okay and you're getting antsy and you would love to go and just do something normal um outside of you know your home and your um your immediate routine right now mm-hmm. but you also have to have a plan in place and i just wish that nationally we were a little more co- cohesive in a plan right a lot of people seem to be um like pinning all their hopes on a vaccine but that's another thing that worries me is uh anybody that is somebody in the medical field and most people who are worth their salt are all saying that yes having a vaccine would be effective in treating and slowing and maybe even preventing this thing from blowing up the way that it has but we won't have a good viable vaccine until next year right so that's what i'm saying we got to tiptoe around this thing for a while um you know and there are treatments that are being you know studied and pushed and researched for you know as fast as they possibly can but that you know then you get the good bad the ugly and they have to work through in parameters of science so not in this administration (laughs) well you just take hydroxychloroquine (laughs) and you're good science is at at the at the on the back burner i should say um i mean how I know, again, you're not, like, a medical expert or anything like that. But realistically, like, what's the earliest you personally think we can see a vaccine? If, let's say, somebody says, we have we have what we need, we cracked the code, we just need to begin trials. Like, realistically, what's the earliest that we can potentially see a vaccine? Uh, based on what you've read. Based on what I've read, they've got a, a several... Um, in like phase one trials, uh, but that's a long process because you've got to you've got to have a good group, a population that you know, a control group, one that's getting the vaccine, and then um, you got to see a lot of. There's so many factors that play into things, so then you got to see, okay, what kind of side effects are they having? Or, you know. Is it safe for, you know, you, but is it safe for a, a little kid? Or, else, yeah. I would imagine cost effectiveness would have to be. Yeah. And then how much is it? How much is it going to cost? How cheap is it going to be made? Where is it going to be made? How fast can it be made? Right. Um, who's it going to be available to? How are we going to get it to them? I mean, what do you need to give administer it? So. Whoa, lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, next year at the very fastest, and even then, 
are you going to trust it to take it? I I can't say that I would. Like, I, I still struggle myself. And you know this. I struggle with the flu shot. You know, it feels like the last couple of times that I've taken the flu shot, it's like I've still gotten sick and, like, tremendously sick. But then it's like this year I didn't get the flu shot and I still got sick. Yeah, I mean, you you take a gamble with the flu shot because um, they're just simply guessing on which one you get. And if you don't get the right one, then <laughs> you're kind of out of luck. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's always some risk you have to take with a vaccine. Um what about is there so do you think there would be any other way of i guess better controlling or tracing the the pathway of covid um i've been i've been hoping for like a good dependable antibody test myself well that would be great but then like i said if it's only good for 6 months then your antibody test is kind of pointless yeah um, because then they can't tell whether you've, you've been infected or in February or if you were infected in June and when those antibodies are going to fall off. Yeah. So then that test is obsolete. True. Um, I think that vaccine would be the ultimate, um, treatment. But other therapies, you know, for those who who do become severely ill, um, would be helpful. Right. Uh, And and they're learning a lot about it. It's just, and how it affects. That's just, it's such a uh, spectrum of symptoms. And why does it affect someone who needs to be on a ventilator for two weeks and then other people are walking around and not even knowing that they're infected or sick even yeah that is that's the most insane part. that's the scary part like all or nothing pretty much i mean and you could have sniffles and a fever for three days right yeah some people had it for like four weeks Mm -hmm. um it's crazy. I mean, it's interesting to see, but yeah. How how big of a role do you think COVID is going to play come um you know, the fall and especially in November when it comes down to um the the presidential debates. Uh, it's going to be a huge piece. Um especially if if a vaccine looks like to be possible or um, how treatment will be taken care of and handled um, or that plan that needs to be in place, you know, that would be what I would be looking for in a candidate. Um, What are you going to have in place to help limit or um, reduce the spread? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if people are going back to work and they're going back to school and they're getting the economy started because that's going to be a huge component of a candidate's 
Um, what am I trying to say? Campaign. Yes. Yep. Uh, in which, you know, that's, that's going to be really interesting because it, all signs are pointing towards a Trump versus Biden primary in November. Um, and we see and we hear how, you know, Trump handles things and you have Biden out there and we don't know who his running mate is going to be so far, but, um, there would have to be a pretty solid, stellar, I think, point of attack ready. Um, and in terms of, of temperament, I would like to say that Biden would be a bit better suited um, to, to handle things like that and, and to speak eloquently on the, the task at hand. And then Biden cast that little bit of doubt in my mind the other day. He was being interviewed by uh, like a super popular um, radio personality, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God, Mm -hmm. to be more specific. And uh, it was closer towards the end of the interview. And um, Charlemagne was basically digging at Joe Biden like, you know, I I want to I want to be able to trust in and, and vote for a candidate who has my best interest, my community's best interest uh, at the forefront. And what Charlemagne was getting at is is the black community specifically. And uh, Joe Biden, who I guess was trying to make a joke, but it went terribly awry. Uh, came out with the line of the century, which is if if you're having trouble deciding if you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. That was a quote. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing it and going, what? Why? Why would you ever say this? Why would you ever think that it's okay? And, you know, he's since apologized and, and, you know, did the apology tour and all that. But it's still it stuck with me in a way uh, just because of the the insinuation of of that of that line in particular. I mean, I guess part of me agrees to a certain extent, because it's like if you do your research and you you look into Trump as a whole, then you will see 30 to 40 years of uh, black and minority oppressing business practices and policies in place. And I can't ignore that. I definitely can't. But I also can't ignore the fact that jokingly or not, this guy felt qualified to be able to try to quantify someone's blackness or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say. Can you speak for all white people? I I cannot speak for all white people. Let me back the truck up. Okay. Um, I will say that Trump and Biden are by no means eloquently speaking in any sort of manner or way. Uh huh. There you go. Yes. Um, I think Biden gets riled up. He's like an old man. He gets riled up and he just says some stupid shit because he thinks it's cool. Yeah. 
like he's on a roll and then it's just like diarrhea. Yep. And then you go, no, it's like kill Whitey. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is the perfect thing. That is what. That was a black sheep, right? Yes. I always get black sheep and Tommy Boy mixed up. No, Tommy Boy is Batman in the little movie. (laughs) Totally not. Uh, Anyway. Yes. Yes. That that is exactly what Joe Biden did. Yeah. So, me going to no, you. I understand his thought process behind it. I do not agree with with the insinuation. Right. Yeah, and that's that was. I don't I don't agree with anything that he said. I'm like I'm glad that he tried to come out and like immediately apologize instead of letting it drag on for weeks and weeks and weeks uh before being confronted with it at, you know, a a, a primary or a debate or something like that. I'm thankful that he addressed it up front. My problem is the the poking and the prodding by Charlemagne himself, uh, which he is an intelligent brother and I love listening to the radio show. Um, I just feel like, uh, for what it's worth, to me, I feel like as as black people, we tend to say that we want to have, and no, I'm not speaking on behalf of all black people. I saw you raise your mic like you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. No. Uh, it, we we have, we, we tend to like put our faith and in, in our hope in a lot of people that don't look like us that don't come from where we come from and don't experience the things that we experience yet and still we depend on them to push the agenda or certain agendas that will be more beneficial to and for us and i am one of the opinion that you will not have that happen until you get more people not somebody but until you get more people that share that same background all the way across the board. So, long story short, I think that no matter what year it is, what president is or what office is being decided, if it is, if your choice is between two 70-year-old white dudes, good luck <laughs> trying to convince either one of them to go full speed ahead into pushing agendas and policies and things that will cater to the black community. I can't see that happening. The only time that I see that happening is by diversifying the candidate pool, which uh, I'll ask this and then we'll move on to the last topic. Do you think that it is finally time to start exploring, seriously exploring and pursuing a multi-party um, political I don't know what, what the, the what the word would be um, ecosystem I guess like more just having the ability to legitimately have more than just Democrat or more than just Republican because we've seen the worst Trump right now is exposing Every worst, deplorable, terrible policy and politician 
in Washington and, and around the United States right now. The Democratic Party has had the chance um, now four years in a row to put somebody who is truly genuinely different at the forefront. And yet we still ended up with these two as our potential next president. And I'm not even speaking specifically just Bernie Sanders. I think Elizabeth Warren was was a great choice as well. Um, but she kind of got stampeded too. Uh, Buttigieg, he was questionable, but would have been a decent candidate just based on his youth alone. Do you think it's time to start exploring separate parties outside of the Dems and the Republicans? Um, people would argue that there are. Not viable, though. I mean, the last time we had... Because the system makes them not viable. Not that they aren't there. Yeah. yeah. The system itself is set up for a two-party system. Right. So no matter what or how many parties you can come up with or think of, it'll still come down to two, and it'll be Republican and Democrat. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. It's just the way the system is set up. Just, and does it need to be reformed? Sure. Yes. But what happens is, is that you have these two major parties, they have a tradition, and they know, people know what they stand for and what they're about. They assume they do. And then you get somebody um, that kind of runs off the rails and is not like either two parties. They become the extremists, the crazies, the whatever you want to call them, socialists, communists, whatever. (laughs) And they're so far out that it scares those people who have been running that race for how many years. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody's got really good ideas, and you can poke holes in a virtual idea while it's in place. Just like Obamacare, for example, people said we would be bankrupt, that the world would catch fire, we would spontaneously combust, that it would never work, Mm -hmm. that it would drain all of our financial, and none of that happened. No. Did it have bumps? Was it perfect? No. Um, But people were getting what it claimed to do. The care that they needed. So. The coverage. And it could have been improved upon had it not been totally demolished. Dismantled. So those are the things that you're up against. And so those are just. That's like the bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, I I just I feel like we're at a turning point in American politics where and this isn't an original thought, but it is one that I that I completely am on board with in in agreement in it's like we either kind of force the system to change one way or another. Or we just continue to be bombarded with 
the the Trumps of the world because it, my biggest fear is um, Trump was able to get into the office and and that kind of opens the door for any charismatic xenophobic racist person to get back into the office and I don't the Democratic Party in its current form and and let me be perfectly clear what I'm about to say no matter who is on that ballot from the Democratic Party in November is getting my vote. The Republicans have had, I would say, even longer than four years because Mitch McConnell has been screwing shit up for the last, what, eight? Easily? I don't know how long he's been in there. No matter who is on the ballot that is a Democrat will get my vote come November point blank period I think uh I think I'm talked out for right now politics and and depression and COVID and all that um I don't want to talk about politics or COVID next show so we'll we'll try and get something light and fun for you guys on the next episode thanks we hope that you enjoyed this one and if you did enjoy this one guess what you should subscribe to the show on all or maybe just one of our podcasting platforms that's right we are not just on libsyn now through a random link we are now available on apple podcasts we are now available on google podcasts and stitcher radio or wherever you get your podcast from look us up the curated culture if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, drop a five-star review a five-star rating if you will and subscribe to the show share it with a friend share it with several friends let them know this is a great show we have great points and great topics of discussion also make sure that you're following us on the social medias uh, at the curated culture on facebook and instagram at underscore curated culture on twitter uh, at robbie diesel facebook twitter instagram snapchat at Red One Maria, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Yep. Follow us. We would enjoy to hear from you. Uh, I think that's it. That's that's uh, that's the close. That's the close. That's it. That's all I got for right now. Thank you guys so very much for listening. We will catch you on the next episode. Next episode might have a special guest. It might not. If you're good, maybe we'll we'll have a special guest on. Special guest. Yeah, if you're good. Thanks for downloading, guys. We'll catch y'all on the next one. Adios. Bye. Bye.